part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. Spoiler alert. Today we are discussing season two of The Witcher, episodes five through eight, five through the finale. If you haven't seen those episodes yet, then I would advise you watch them before you listen to this podcast if you don't want to be spoiled. You've been warned. I'm Matt, and I have something to say. I'm T, and I have something to say. Busted. Blockbusters. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bustin' Blockbusters. This time around, we are discussing Season 2, Episodes 5 through 8 of The Witcher on Netflix. So be sure that you've watched those before you come in on our conversation, unless you want to be spoiled. My name is Matt Murdick. Of course, that is my name. You can call me Double M. You can call me Matthew. You can call me Matt. You can call me Hey You, if that's what makes you happy. I'm perfectly cool with it. Don't forget that you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We really want you to subscribe, to rate, and review if possible. That way, any possible algorithm that any of these podcast apps use are covered. That way, we get noticeable. That way, our community grows. That way, you hear more great thoughts from other listeners. And speaking of which, we want you to be one of those listeners who contribute great thoughts. Send tweets to at BustBlockbuster on Twitter Also, feel free to send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S, audioblog at gmail.com. You can find everything that I do, whether it's associated with the double P or not, at mattsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S, audioblog.com. And this podcast is associated with the double P. We love our friends over there, Bubba and Catfish. They do a great job covering multitudes of shows. In fact, we're going to be doing Babylon Berlin, The Last Kingdom this year both of those are going to be coming out uh bubba's going to be covering mad pie murders as well which will be on pbs sometime this spring after it's already on BritBox, i think but be sure to check out at the word double the letters phq on twitter to keep up with everything that they're covering oh uh, brand new news, the uh, Kenobi series is going to be out on Disney Plus in May, I think around Memorial Day weekend. They'll be covering that on their podcast, Parsec Passion. Holly and I will be covering uh, His Dark Materials Season 3 when it comes out, hopefully this year, on The Dust Podcast. Be sure to find all of these podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Like I said, that way all of the algorithms are covered. Also, part of the YouTube empire double p media is becoming so be sure to subscribe there as well because it's great to get video presentations of these podcasts there you can do so by subscribing to youtube.com slash c slash the word double the letter p media there and you can find everything that double p does at double p media.com that's enough of the 
housekeeping, I suppose, it's time to introduce our guest. Once again, returning for our discussion of The Witcher, you'll know him from The Wheel of Time. You'll also know him from the last Witcher podcast, except now his name has evidently changed. He is no longer Coach Trollic. He is now T, the artist formerly known as Coach. T, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, yeah, T's my name. Okay. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate a chance to talk more about the best beasts. I think that's a double B regarding these particular episodes of The Witcher. And you're even letting me comment a little bit on how we like the episodes in general. I'm looking forward to those conversations. Probably won't say a little bit too much because I really only get interested in this series when the beasts come on. Uh, and that way I can judge how well they fare up against my friends uh, from the Wheel of Time, even though I got fired uh, from that job uh, as the coach of the Trollocs. I hold no ill will towards our GM, Mydral Fade, or any of the uh, owners, such as the Dark One. So I feel like uh, I'm ready to take this new challenge on. Speaking of new challenges, you told me before we started this podcast that you're going to be pursuing a brand new career away from coaching altogether. Yeah, yeah, I am going to be doing uh, something that I feel I've always been meant to do. I found out how to work my computer recently, and I've started singing nursery rhymes for children. I'm going to release a whole album of that, and hence... Uh, the name change, uh, just like Prince, uh, because if you have a prince uh, that can change his name to some kind of symbol, I figured I could become T, which is a name that uh, most people want to call me anyway, so why not capitalize on that branding as we go? Okay, great. Nursery rhymes. Uh, looking forward to whatever that uh, leads you to. Uh, I suppose. Uh, lovely nursery rhymes that will put children to sleep uh, so that I can eat them. Oh, uh, okay. Well, in that case, Coach T, why don't we just go ahead and get right into rating this set of episodes? Well, that sounds like a great idea to me, Matt. Episode Matrix. For those of you watching on YouTube, you might notice that Matt has put on some glasses. Yes, yes, I have. I uh, first of all, you know, we take rating these episodes so seriously around here, and secondly, I noticed in the monitor that I've got terrible bags under my eyes, so I'm trying to hide them with these glasses a little bit. Uh, it's probably from doing double shifts. Well, whatever the reason, Matt, it it does kind of make you look more intelligent. Um, also a little more goofy that that that's fine t right t let's talk about these episodes let's let's give them a rating what would you rate season two of the witcher episodes five through eight on a whole not individually well matt i've been giving this a lot of thought and i noticed the episode metrics bumper so i just like to start off by saying that I think there's a very important episode metric that we need to talk about, and that is the 
N-N-E-M. The N-N-E-M? Yeah. Not nearly enough beast. Oh. Yeah. I feel like that mostly we didn't see enough monsters in this particular set of episodes. I would have liked to have seen more. Uh, they seem fairly easily dispatched, except for maybe in the finale. And even then, I'm not quite sure that there was any real threat. Uh, at any rate, I'm going to only give this set of four episodes 7.5 out of 10, what I like to call double M. Double M's? Yeah. That stands for more monster. Oh, of course. I should have guessed. Care to elaborate on that? Is there anything else to elaborate on, Matt? Uh, there was a lot of time spent dealing with this new kid that sticks a flame out of his finger, and I didn't really care much for that. A neat parlor trick, but what's the point? And you could have spent some of that time uh, showing more interesting creatures, uh, I believe. Well, hey, I, I guess that makes sense to me. Uh, I did focus on one particular episode metric as well, and that is the PCI TTFI. Well, that sounds like a complicated metric. Uh, I'm intrigued, Matt. Tell me what that means. It stands for poor Siri, just trying to fit in, but she's a world ender. You forgot the A in that. Oh, so I did. I love how you have the found family. That's a double F. Oh, so it is. Like we've been talking about in the prior episode covering the first four episodes. And that's all great. And I love uh, the fact that Siri is trying to find a family, but it turns out that she's also the destroyer of part of the family that she's trying to become part of at the end. I felt really bad for Siri at the end of this. I felt a lot of peril for her, especially with the mother uh, trying to take her over and use her. Um, obviously, the end of this is just about trying to get uh, four horsemen, so to speak, into the world to end it. Um, and they've set up a nice storyline for season three if they decide to go there or wherever down the line they decide to go, depending on how many series of this they can make. So I was quite pleased with it, uh, but I only gave it eight out of ten, what I like to call double M's as well. Double M's, you, you're stealing from me. Double M's, I said that first. Well, it's a different kind of double M's, T. It's something that we like to call monolith mysteries. Monolith mysteries, okay. Yeah, I get that because now you have uh, the whole four episodes here dealing with beginning in the this fifth episode of you know, why did this monolith get destroyed? What kind of monster came from the monolith? And you have uh, our Witcher character trying to take care of all of that as well, trying to solve this mystery. So that's a pretty good double M. Not nearly as good as mine, but pretty darn good, Matt. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time uh, to explain my double M for me probably better than I did. At any rate, that's it for our ratings. What did you rate these episodes? People tweet to at bus blockbuster on Twitter. 
send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog at gmail.com, or use the contact form at mattsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com, and let us know what you thought of these episodes, how you would rate them, and be sure to take notes as you listen to the rest of this podcast and what you feel like we got wrong. Let us know. We want to know what we got wrong. I rarely get anything wrong, Matt. I'm positive of that, T, uh, especially embarking on your new career, seeing the children. You're going to need to be right a lot because otherwise uh, it could be disastrous for you. I have no idea what you're talking about. Hey, can we get to my favorite part? Can we get to best beasts, please? Yes, let's do that right now. It's time for the best beasts of these episodes. It's the best beast. Beast. So I suppose the first monster to talk about is, is it called a Chinabog? Something like that. Uh, Chinabog, Chernabog. I don't know. Uh, but it's just makes a brief appearance in the fifth episode as in the trench when Geralt and Istred see it. And then, of course, we get it in the sixth episode when it attacks Geralt and Siri, and of course uh, takes out Roach, which is terrible. Yeah, well, that was a pretty cool monster. I like that one. Oh, it's got kind of a mean look about him, a little bit shiny. Oh, not very threatening, really. I mean, uh, taking out a horse is not that big of a deal. Uh, and I'm not even sure that it was going to take Siri out. Uh, when she was put up there for bait, uh, looked like it could have headed out for a girl. Of course, everything in regards to Geralt is uh, pretty disgusting. If you're a monster, you don't much like his kind. And uh, I'm not a big fan of this Chinabog or whatever you call it, uh, being a fan of Siri. But given what you learned in the fifth episode about Siri being kind of all about destruction feels like um, maybe a monster should like her a little more than I had in the past. Uh, I'm coming around to Siri simply because I think that uh, she's got some cards to play that we'll see in future seasons, hopefully. So I guess it's important to have this discussion now. We had it kind of in the prior podcast, T, when we talked about this woman or perhaps creature in the hut hut Geralt basically calls her a demon, but she's in a human form. So I don't know whether we want to classify that as a monster or not. I think that uh, just the mere fact that she lives in the hut hut. I love hut hut. I think that that means that we should qualify her uh, simply because I love talking about hut hut. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, T, uh, there is one. She's called Volith Mir. Uh, Geralt, again, describes her as a demon that the Witcher's trapped in between worlds at one point in the past. And obviously, she needs everybody's pain to get herself out of where she is or what have you. So I feel like that we can... Add her to the list. Yes, let's add her to the list uh, very much. I I think that her power is 
subtle in a lot of ways, but just as monstrous, if I may say so myself, as any kind of beast that we see uh, that is coming through these conduits, monoliths that we find out about in this set of episodes. I think that uh, she can be considered just as beastly. And once again, I really like her uh, simply because uh, the Hut Hut. I mean, come on, what a better name. Not a hut. Not a hut with legs, but Hut Hut. There you go. There you go, T. Uh, so we've got that one on our list now. No, Matt, before we go any further, I have, I have just a thought or two I'd like to add here, if that's possible. Yep. Okay, T, go right ahead. Well, first of all, I just want to once again emphasize how few monsters there were in these four episodes, these last four episodes of season two. I feel like they could have done a lot more. It feels like in this eighth episode, because there's not really anything in seven, unless you count the Hut Hut girl, which I like the Hut Hut girl, of course. But in the eighth episode, you get both Wyvern and Basilisk. And I'm just wondering, you know, if they were saving money for the seventh episode to put a whole bunch of monsters in the eighth episode, you think they could have done a little better with the design? I mean, basically what you have is just a standard velociraptor and a snake with chicken feet. I mean, that's not scary to me at all. They're not very effective. Well, the Basilisk, maybe just a little bit. Uh, uh, then, of course, you do also have the Wild Hunt. So that's three, but really the Wild Hunt's just a bunch of guys in costumes, right? So that doesn't really seem all that scary or all that high budget to me. And I'm just wondering why they didn't invest more money in the monsters in these last five episodes. One other thing that I'm mentioning here, and uh, I know I might take a little bit of heat for this, but I think it's something that we should consider. Should we not consider Siri a monster? as well i mean she's the one that's wreaking all this destruction she's the one who has the power to bring all of these things through these monoliths isn't she a monster in herself you're always talking mad about how you know what's the greater monster the monster itself or the human that has a monster within i think we need to consider siri as a monster for this set of episodes as well that is preposterous series of victim here the volith mirror has possessed her there's no reason to think that she would have done anything like this on her own Siri never thinks to do anything on her own it just happens to her that makes her even more volatile and more dangerous than any of these other monsters that are just looking out for themselves wow okay well let's just put it on the poll right now is Siri a monster or not at bust blockbuster on twitter Siri is a monster, yes or no? Be sure to look for that in our Twitter feed. That is at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter. So let's talk about the Wyvern for a second, though. They come out of the monolith first, and they are quite fearsome, in my opinion. They move very fast. They, they have a lot of fight in them. Uh, our group of witchers seem to have trouble with them as they go through that eighth episode. And then you have the Basilisk that I think was quite fearsome. Now, the Basilisk is also a monster that you find in 
the video games. In fact, all of these monsters might be monsters that you find in the video games. Uh, it was pointed out. I can't remember who pointed it out. It was some uh, article regarding the monsters on The Witcher Season 2 that said that uh, there were some things about the game Basilisk that weren't included in the show Basilisk, like uh, something about having venomous breath, like if it breathed on you, uh, it had the potential to kill you or something like that. So I don't know. Uh, I thought that all of the monsters were pretty scary. Coach, if you're going to have to pick, and God, forgive me, but... If you want to include Siri, feel free to include Siri. But uh, who would you pick as your best monster for these four episodes? Your best beast? Well, Matt, my double B would probably be Siri. Or Volithmir. Uh I like the way that you brought up in the last podcast episode covering The Witcher about who is the real monster. Is it a creature? Like we've been calling these creatures we've been calling the monsters or is it the monster within like a uh, good old hedgehog man like uh, what did you call him sonic uh what a clever name uh, so that you don't have to pronounce his real name i'm taking that with me as well anyway uh i think i'm gonna go with molithier I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll back off on the Siri thing. That's what I'll do. I'll just turn around right now. I'll back off and uh, I'll just go with my love of football and say, "Hut hut." How about you, man? Well, um, I'll be honest. I I felt like that the the Chernobog was very scary, even though it didn't seem very effective. Um, and like you pointed out, it it didn't do a whole lot other than just set itself up to die. Um, I still think it looked the coolest and was potentially the scariest if it didn't have a crush on Siri. That's not a bad choice, I don't suppose. Hey, Matt, what do you say we start talking about these episodes a little more in detail? Great idea, T. Let's do that. And we will uh, call this section blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. So let's start off with this fifth episode called Turn Your Back. Once again, I'm going to be looking mostly at things that a lot of people have already talked about, but they seem the very obvious ones and things that we're picking up from our last conversation about season two of The Witcher, the sense of loss, the sense of gaining family, the family found, those kinds of things. The first thing you have to really look at, though, is the fact that we've got these two interesting characters right up front. It's the first time that they really had played with any time regarding, you know, the, the order in which things happen for the whole season. And I appreciated that throughout the course of the season that they didn't really do too much playing with time. And the way that this is done, it just it's kind of just a little lagging catch up so that you know where this uh, Rience and, and Lydia are at in a time frame in relation to the events that we've been seeing happening during the course of the season so far. 
And this Rience guy, he's somebody who managed to betray Sintra. And Lydia seems to be someone who wants to betray Sintra. You know, Matt, one thing I can say, I, I know I mentioned that it seems like this Rience guy, uh, he's just playing with fire. Ha ha ha. Literally. But other than just thinking of it as some kind of parlor trick that he's using, particularly in this episode, uh, I do have to admit that the guy has a heck of a snap. I wonder if he'd be interested in being a backup musician for some of my future cuts that I would do. T, uh, let, let's not worry about that right now. Let, let's concentrate more on the episode itself. Well, Matt, the only thing is, is that, you know, as a trollic, I have this kind of combination of hoof and claw. I don't really have the ability to snap, so I can't do those kind of tracks for myself. Okay, all fine and good. Fine and good, T. We'll, we will make sure uh, to address that at an appropriate time. Uh, but at any rate, we follow this Rianse in his quest basically to find Siri. Uh, and that, of course, leads us uh, to Jaskier. Jaskier sucks, by the way. All musicians are awful, uh, well, except me, if you ask me. T, I, I've been a professional musician for close to 30 years now. Well, I think that just made my point, did it not? I, I mean, you're not much of a person, and you're a musician, so there you go. Okay, all right. So we see this Rience cause a lot of trouble in this particular episode with Yaskir, and then Yennefer has to come and, and rescue him. I'm going to save some of that stuff for a minute, and I'm going to go back up to the north and to uh, the, the, the Witcher Spa, so to speak, and talk about some of these family issues that we've been discussing in the prior podcast, like Vesemir, uh, who is trying to rebuild his own family because he's lost so many witchers and he's trying to do it with Siri's blood and Triss's help and Siri's loss of family and, and, and trying to belong are, are still happening a lot for her. She's missing Sintra. She even calls it my home, my fight, my life. And, and then she ends up with Triss's help finding out something about her own family, that fact that she has elder blood and a, a chance to help Vesemir build his own new family from her own blood. And she just wants to become a part of that family. So she says that they must test the mutagen on her first if she agrees to give her blood. She says to Triss that she needs to do this because she needs to find a new truth she, that the old truth has been disrupted. Uh, she needs a new family that she hasn't lost more or less is what she's saying. Um, or at least one that hasn't lied to her this whole time. And Trist does try to help her discover more about herself with this thing called the Doldusha, I think it's called or Doldusha. Yeah. And it's in that vision where, she she sees her parents, she learns about a prophecy, and Siri seems to be involved as a destroyer of some kind. Uh, at least that's what Trish thinks by the end of it all. Or or someone who might at least bring out, you know, uh, the, the, the wild hunt 
I love the name of that. That's a great kind of foe to have. But it's essentially like the four horsemen of the apocalypse or, you know, the seven or the ten or however many of them there are in this wild hunt. Absolutely right, T. And it's actually the first clue that we get that there is a monolith that we find out later on in the season. This is the first clue that we get that there is a monolith embedded within that witcher memorial tree because when she calls they show it shaking and then that carries all the way to Sintra and Geralt and Istrid hear her voice as well and I want to talk about the way that those conduits are all connected the conversation that Istrid and, and Geralt have also but before I do that you know Siri wants to be a witcher she wants she tells Geralt when he returns that she wants to forget all of this emotional turmoil and loss but of course Geralt stops her um and we know now seeing the way that Geralt emotes himself especially this season um that he ends up having to tell her that you know no magic potion is going to cure all of that pain you just have to try and let it go uh, and I love that and he calls her extraordinary which is fantastic as well. Well, as long as we're on Geralt uh, here, let's get back to Geralt and Istrid uh, earlier in the episode. The all idea of more seeds being planted here because the conjunction brought the monsters because the monoliths were acting as conduits. And so uh, they put together the monsters. All monsters are from other worlds. Some happened during the conjunction and, and now they're being used as conduits as well through what it would seem to be Siri in some way. But we can talk more about that later. And Eastern and Girl also find out that they have Yennefer in common. That's right. And it's important for Geralt because he finally finds out that Yennefer is still alive. He's been thinking this whole time that he's lost her. And now part of his found family is coming back to him in a way even though, you know, they're going to have their differences because of their, their mindsets and whatever. But he's very relieved, it would seem, that she is alive. And then, Matt, don't forget that Eastred also, once he portals Geralt back and, and he's starting to look for answers for himself, you want to talk about a family theme, how about this one? Of course, when he goes looking for answers, what does he do? He looks at Ciri's family tree. Ha! Oh, well, how more literal than that can you be? True enough. True enough, T. That is absolutely true. And Frangilla and Francesca are partners. They're not necessarily family, but they're partners and almost like friends. Uh, back in Nilfgaard, we see Kahar finally getting back as well. Uh, he has a pretty nasty dream about Ciri, remembering what happened when she escaped him. And that really leaves in this episode, Yennefer. Uh, and I mean, is it ever really an episode if we don't get Yennefer saying that four letter word that starts with an F somewhere in her first line? If it's not her exact first line, then it has to be somewhere within. Well, she's helping out the brother that she can't stand, but, you know, she still cares about. And that's Yasker who I could care less about. Like I said, he's a slimy musician. 
Uh, I'm a much better cut above musician than he is. They didn't even use a new tune. They just went back. I know they were kind of playing back through time, so you had to hear the same tune again. But you'd think a show like The Witcher would have enough budget to, uh, first of all, hire somebody who could sing, and second of all, not use the same awful tune twice in a series. Now, T, they, they, they put a lot of money into those kind of things. You know, they had to write a song, they had to produce a song, and then they have to do all this choreography and everything. It's hogwash. It really is. I mean, uh, it won't be long, folks, before my Nursery Rhymes album will be coming out. And I hope that you will appreciate how much more superior my music is uh, than this Jaskier. Anyway, this Jaskier, uh, he's got Yennefer running around because she's trying to, uh, she's had to save him from this Riance guy by, uh, it was pretty clever ploy by Yennefer, I have to say, you know, uh, acting like she's a drunk so that she can have a swig of alcohol in her mouth so that when he blows his little parlor trick flame out of his finger, she can just blow all that alcohol and burn his face off. I love that. That was pretty cool. And, uh, but then as, as he's getting her running around and they're trying to run everybody around, then she ends up getting captured. And even though that he comes to help her, uh, he gets looked over for doing that as a peeping Tom, which he probably is. And then of course, T, uh, she manages to escape her little imprisonment herself because, uh, she does one of your favorite phrases. She calls for the hut hut. Oh yeah. I love the hut hut. The hut hut is fantastic. And she goes and has another conference with the deathless mother. And the deathless mother says, Hey, I can get you your stuff back. You can have all of your stuff back. Jennifer's wanting to feel completed. She can't keep track of the little bit of family that she has in Yaskir. So she needs her magic back. She needs her magic back to defend herself. And Deathless Mother says, hey, you want your magic back? Just bring Siri to door number two and we will be good. You'll you'll get your magic back. Yeah, I, I didn't exactly understand why Yennefer would be willing to do this. Or even if she is willing to do this, she doesn't seem very willing to do it at the beginning. But uh, there was another comment that was made by Rianz about uh, the the whole idea that fire consumes the soul rather than the body if your body can handle it and you have to wonder if Jennifer at this point if you're just watching you have to wonder if Jennifer uh, has had her soul consumed a little bit because she used all that fire magic at the end of season one that is a good point T uh, you ready to move on to episode six sure let's do it Okay, so the title of this episode is Dear Friend, the sixth episode, obviously in reference to the way that Geralt tries to introduce Yennefer to Ciri, but also, you know, you could imply the relationship between Francesca and Frangilla as well, and I guess we'll just start off with that uh, Chinabog that evidently came out of the trench in the last episode, it's now tracking Siri and Geralt down. Of course, Geralt had a chance to, I guess, be portaled ahead of time uh, back to the Witcher lair. So uh, they got a head start. That's when he found Siri in the last episode. And 
and said, hey, no, 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 you're not mutating. And now they're off on a journey to somewhere. But this Chinabog comes up on them and it gets dispatched with fairly easily, I would say. Yeah, you know, there's something that uh, I feel like we should talk about. I mentioned this in the last podcast as well, but it doesn't seem like any of these monsters really want to hurt Siri. Uh, she even points that out herself in this particular episode. I'm kind of sick of lovey-dovey monsters. We need them to be a little more fierce towards Siri, too, uh, because otherwise we're just going to start thinking of Siri as this bad person that the monsters love, rather than Siri as a potential victim of these monsters, as Girl thinks of them, even though he gets a little shocked by the fact that she says she didn't think it was going to hurt him either. Uh, it gets him to thinking about things as well. Well, one thing that it doesn't mind hurting, this synagogue doesn't mind hurting, is Geralt's poor horse, Roach. We need to pour one out for Roach because that was just terrible, and it was heartbreaking to see Geralt have to say goodbye to Roach that way. Um, very poignant words about, uh, you know, the last ride through the mist and what have you. And um, it, it's definitely a sense of loss for him in terms of what we've been talking about of losing and gaining family. He's lost a family member here too. Siri as well. She's been riding Roach more than he has in, in this season, I believe. Uh, but then they end up going to uh, the temple where hopefully Siri can learn to control her chaos a little bit uh, with the help of this Nimiki character, Nimiki. I can't remember exactly how to pronounce it. Please forgive me. Uh, diehard fans who, uh, I don't know if this character appears in the books or not, but a uh, very interesting character, kind of acts like a surrogate mother to just about everybody. She's been a surrogate mother to Geralt in the past, and, and here she's kind of helping Siri um, learn how to use her magic. Um, Siri, it's not the only gift that Siri gets. She gets a, a crush and this device to help her study magic from this uh, understudy historian, I guess we'll call him. Uh, and she gets a pretty decent pep talk about why family members sometimes act the way they do from Nimiki herself when they're lighting the candles. Now, this Nimiki character tells Geralt that, uh, you know, he's basically bleeped, <laughs> uh, given that Siri seems to be a child of destiny and highborn. Uh, and then, of course, Geralt is really bleep because Yennefer mysteriously shows up, uh, just happens to show up at the temple that they're at after having a conversation with the Deathless Mother. Uh, what did we think about this reunion and the fact that, you know, her interest in Siri, uh, especially as she gets more and more involved in this episode and they leave Geralt behind uh, means that she's taking the deal from this deathless mother. Well, Matt, let me just say this. First of all, uh, I have never really invested in any kind of relationships between witchers and, and mages. I think that that's uh, the, purely the fantasy element of it. I do like the fact that they still don't seem to trust each other. They still seem very hurt by each other, uh, but they still do long for each other, as is pointed out by Yennefer at one point. Uh, and I liked their kiss, and that was all fine and well. But 
Yennefer's obviously up to no good here. Uh, and by the end of the episode, when she tells Geralt, you know, she's going to go with Siri anyway, uh, basically, uh, that's all you need to know, that she did take the Deathless Mother's deal. So I don't feel very good about Yennefer right now. I will say this. I respect her because any good monster learns how to take care of themselves, right? And and Yennefer is taking care of her own needs. She's putting her needs in front of everybody else's. And that's something that, you know, a good monster does. And I'm not trying to call Yennefer a monster. Don't get crazy here. Uh, I'm just saying that she has some monster-like tendencies, tendencies that I can respect. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, send your hate mail to at bus blockbuster on Twitter. T, do you have a, uh, a Twitter or anything like that? I don't engage with social media anymore, Matt. Uh, after all of the debacles with being a coach of the Trollocs and uh, the social media campaigns that ensued to get me fired, I have no use for Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. So, no, I'm not available on social media. Uh, okay, uh, very good. Well, let's move on to Nilfgaard then. It's family-oriented as well because you have uh, Francesca and Philavendril. Is that how you say his name? I hope. Uh, they have their child, uh, and no black magic was involved, evidently. Uh, maybe. <laughs> who, who knows? Uh, Frangilla was very happy to be the person who helped and to announce the announcement of the new baby. And we have a whole elven group of people who are celebrating the fact that children can be born again. On the other hand, you have Kahir, who's now trying to exert some strength uh, that really infringes upon the power that Frangilla and her alliance with Francesca has kind of given her. And, uh, even that deal between Francesca and Frangilla are, is becoming very brittle after the baby is born. Um, it feels like part of what the deathless mother is up to is give you something and then take it away. So the whole baby thing is uh, a terrible omen. The fact that it did come alive, uh, what's that going to mean? in the next couple episodes. And if you've seen all of the episodes and you know already, if you haven't, then why are you here? Either way, I feel like that, you know, this whole deal, Frangilla is starting to feel her power slip away that she once had. Uh, Francesca and, and Philavandril feel like, you know, they just want to start the new life for their elves rather than fight uh, for Nilfgaard and so all of that's working against Frangilla and uh, Francesca and Philavandrel, rightfully so, are very concerned about their child. My feeling is, like you pointed out, Matt, that Frangilla's power being slightly edged away by Kahir with the message uh, coming from the White Flame to him and not to her. Um, and uh, even this elven baby is probably pain that uh, my favorite monster that Gareth calls Volith Mir is going to be feeding on to gain strength. Excellent points. And uh, we also have Rance, uh, who ends up coming to the witch's lair and stealing the concoction, ends up hurting Vesemir pretty badly. Uh, not only is Vesemir hurt by Geralt having left with Ciri, but now he ends up, you know, 
getting physically hurt. And by the end of the episode, we find out from Triss that Rience has stolen the vial. And we know that uh, Rience has it. Uh, he's going to use that vial to negotiate with Lydia about meeting with her mysterious boss. But she maintains that it's only if he gets Siri uh, in his clutches. So she sends some goons along with him to that temple in order to grab Siri. It's not successful, thanks to Geralt. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that fight for a second. Oh, I love it when humans get thrashed about like that. Uh, you, you know, I don't know if Geralt, you've considered him the witcher. So is he really human anymore? I don't think so. But uh, him getting hurt, uh, that's okay, I guess. Uh, just because I don't like to root for heroes. Uh, instead, I like to root for the bad guys. But I really do, above anything else, love seeing humans just getting the tar beat out of them. And these humans certainly did get the tar beat out of them by Geralt, who is closer to being uh, a non-human than a human, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, T. We really appreciate that. Uh, finally, Istrid is taking the whole family thing quite literally. Uh, he's chasing down this genealogy tree with uh, these two really peculiar uh, knowledge keepers. Cod and Finn, I believe they were called. I don't remember their names exactly. Uh, but they end up tracing this gene to uh, someone named Laura Doran, who was an elf, evidently, uh, and who made this prediction that 10 generations uh, from her, uh, that uh, her revenge will be exacted uh, because of the things that had happened to the elven people. And the elvens had created a, a warrior kind of weapon and it's Eastred who comes to the conclusion that it's it's kind of a generational elven weapon warrior uh and 10 generations uh will produce it and I, one can only guess that they're putting together that the 10th generation is in fact siri and that uh relates to her abilities and uh the darkness that kind of surrounds everything that she does when she uses her abilities Agreed totally, Matt. Uh, how about we move on to the next episode? Well, you did offer quite a bit of commentary on that episode, T. I was thinking more about the way that you stumbled over the recap bit, but uh, oh, maybe so. Let's move on. Okay, so the seventh episode is Voleth Mir, which is the name for the Deathless Mother. Uh, a demon. Matt, before we get started with this, I, I just want to take something right from the front of the episode, and I'd like to offer uh, a theory. Wow. T, you've got a theory? Yeah, it's regarding who is hiring this uh, Rience and Lydia. Who, who Who is Lydia's boss? Oh, I'd really love to hear this. Well, right off the bat, uh, Geralt says that the cronies were carrying Redinian coin, right? So Redinia, that's Dykstra and, and that crew. Now, I understand that maybe Jasker and, and Rience and Lydia are all in Redinia proper. However, isn't it possible, especially since later on in the episode, when Rience wants to meet the boss and he's not available, 
think about this. Wouldn't that be about the time that Dykstra was at Artusia? Because if that timing works out, doesn't it make more sense that maybe Dykstra is the person who's hired Lydia? Well, I hadn't thought about that. We'll put it on a poll for our listeners and followers on Twitter to decide at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter. If I were a betting trollic, I'm not. But if I were a betting trollic, I think that's where I would put my money. All right. So noted. And if we ever find out the answer to that, we will let you know, T, and we will let our listening audience know if you were right. Geralt, uh, having been left behind by Yennefer and Siri, ends up having to ask Nemeki for a portal. And where does he go? He goes to Jaskier for help to find Siri. There's a cute little reunion moment uh, there. And then he finds out later on as they go along that Yennefer lost her magic from Jaskier. And he finds out everything about the deathless mother. Again, Valeth Mir, uh, who feeds on pain primarily, I guess. And they meet up with the traveling band of folks led by Yarpin. And Geralt gets himself a new horse, which is great. Although it's not really his type, it would seem. It looks a little too pretty for his type, I guess, is what he was saying. Um, and uh, Yaskir seems to even be having some compassion for Yennefer's position. Uh, and and Geralt is finally explaining to Yaskir why Siri became important to him. He also apologizes to Yaskir. That was actually an apology I could do without, Matt. It didn't seem sincere anyway. Well, I don't know. I, who can tell with a witcher? Well, that's true enough. Speaking of Siri, she's lost more of her own sense of family as they, the house that they portal to uh, has the bodies of the people who took care of her, which is awful. And Yennefer is definitely working uh, for Volethmir. Uh, as we find out, she's doing Molethvir's bidding uh, because she baits Siri into going to Sintra, and you hear the demon's voice uh, in her head while she's doing so. As they ride along, Siri thinks of Geralt as a father, and da da da, more family stuff. And she even calls Yennefer out for being in love with Geralt as well, which she doesn't exactly confirm, but at the same time, uh, she doesn't deny either. They get to a river, and Siri is trying to rebuild the bridge. Yennefer is trying to teach her how to do that. Doesn't work. Her eyes get all bloody. Yeah, I was, I was wondering. You know, maybe uh, instead of thinking that the monster should be a peril for Siri, maybe I should think she should be a peril for herself, uh, because it looked like she was doing some damage to her skull there, their brain underneath her skull as she was trying to perform that magic. Um, at any rate, she then screams out, and uh, all of a sudden they're on the other side of the river. They just kind of teleport. How convenient. Yeah, and then they get to Sintra, and uh, her and your Yennefer are talking, and they do some kind of mind meld or something like that, and Yennefer is forced to admit her treachery. And uh, Siri gets upset about that and causes a kind of a rift between them, which alerts the Nilfgaardian soldiers to come out. And they've 
captured Siri and Yennefer, and all of a sudden, uh, Geralt and Yasker and the crew, they all show up and, and save the day. And then Geralt sends Siri back with Yasker and the crew. He's gonna, he says, take her back to Kaer Morhen where uh, she can be safe while him and Yennefer are going to go hunt at the hut hut. Oh, the hut hut. Yes, I love this. I'll get back to that in just a second. But we need to take a brief stop here at Artusa, where Tessia and Vigil Force have been getting friendly. I'm not exactly sure how long that's been going on. I can't remember if it was season one that they started doing that or if this is just recent. Um, and to be honest, I don't pay that much attention to Artusa unless Yennefer is there or something like that because I just don't get into the whole political thing. Well, maybe you should, Matt, because it feels to me like the politics are, are starting to get important here. Well, perhaps that is true. Uh, but at any rate, they've got a thing going on. Uh, she's been holding back that Triss has returned. And Dykstra is the one who kind of brings the news to the rest of the council. And he keeps poking around about the elven baby as well, using that as something to cause some instability. Triss then... Uh, wants to tell to see what's going on, but when Vigil Force c- comes in, it kind of ruins all of that bit, and he feels like he needs to know that the whole council needs to know what's going on uh, with Siri, but she's not wanting to say anything to him, and it causes a big rift between Tessa and Vigil Force. That's a hard name to say. I keep wanting to say Vigil Force or something like that. All of these names are weird, Matt. I I don't ever know much about it. And then Frangilla's power is also being undermined in the way by, you know, the way this general that I hate, uh, who is hanging in innocence now, and Dara, who's been spying, sees that. Uh, And so it's kind of back to the old reputation for Nilfgaard, if you ask me. Um, and then after this birth, Francesca basically tells Frangilla that blood is thicker than water. Uh, so Frangilla ends up going to Artusa to talk to her uncle, uh, because blood is thicker than water. She reminds him of the very same thing that Francesca just told her. And, uh, she's kind of asking for a chance to have an exit strategy with him if she needs it. He offers a little bit of advice, which seems to put on a light bulb in her head. And uh, she returns back to Nilfgaard. Um, Dara, in the meantime, ends up resigning his position as a spy because he'd rather see this new elven world um, than care about what anybody at uh, Redenia thinks. When Frangilla does return, uh, she does this spell with some kind of I don't know, herb or magic or whatever, which freezes everybody and kills all of her enemies uh, and uh, tells Kahir to uh, play in line because he's frozen as well, or otherwise she'll kill him too eventually. And uh, so it seems like Frangilla is starting to gain her power back. All this while, Volathmir is collecting all of this kind of pain and things and starting to get stronger 
almost like she's dissipating, like she's freeing the bonds of the hut hut. We talked about Rience and Lydia earlier, but the part that we didn't mention was the fact that uh, he finally let her test the vial of mutagen. Whatever happened with the mutagen, it did not like it. Uh, And uh, she was screaming and Rience was looking at her. We don't know exactly what she looks like yet in this episode, uh, but I can tell you from the last episode that she looks pretty gross, uh, what that mutagen did to her. Yeah, I wish they would have shown that actually happening rather than just the result in the eighth episode. But we can talk about it once we get there. All right. Uh, and finally, in the end, uh, Geralt and Yennefer find that Voleth Mir has been reborn uh, from the pain and the grief from Francesca, who who ends up having her baby killed by an intruder. Or was it a spell? I'm not exactly sure the way it's shot. It almost feels like it was uh, manipulated in some way, but there was somebody in a hood that evidently attacked the cradle. And then of course uh, her partner is there holding the child and it's awful, uh, awful and horrifying, but you would think that would be more than enough pain for Volathmir to escape. And that's what Geralt and Yennefer find as it turns out, Volathmir has escaped that hut in these little forms like embers and uh, takes over Siri, possesses Siri, her eye color changes. Uh, so it seems to me uh, that there's trouble going on inside Siri now with uh, Volathmir there. Yeah, it's a pretty good setup episode for a finale. You know, it gets everybody headed back to care more and and uh, sets everything up for a big finale there uh, with all of these other little political pieces laying down here. So Fragilla has really taken control in Nilfgaard uh, in a way that I was not expecting. I kind of respect that. I, I like killing to get respect. I think that that's great. And I think that probably... Aratuza is going to be in trouble with all of this political infighting. Uh, they're becoming weaker and weaker as we go along. Oh, so you like the political stuff? No, not really, but I felt like that was appropriate to say. Oh, fantastic. All right. So that's it for episode seven. Let's move on to the finale of season two, and then we can kind of put it all together. Yeah, Matt, uh, try to make this quick, please, because uh, i got some Camelin barbecue coming. We've been podcasting for an hour already. All right, we'll try and do this eighth episode quickly. Uh, so Siri is possessed, and on the inside, she's experiencing her own family back home in Citra, uh, including Mouse Sack and her grandmother. And that's her on the inside, but on the outside, her body is killing witchers in their sleep, with Volathmir in control. Uh, Geralt arrives uh, just in time to stop Volathmir from killing Vesemir, and uh, the whole time Yennefer's been chasing after him, begging him for forgiveness. Now, Matt, let's just skip ahead here. Uh, Volathmir makes the monolith come out of the tree, right? And then the monsters come out of the monolith, and the witchers fight uh, basilics of different kinds, and wyvern, and whatever. Uh, it's a big humdrum fight, 
Oh, uh, in which a couple of people are killed, but not very exciting. Then Geralt and Yennefer and Yaskir and Vesemir have to try and convince Ciri, who's still on the inside, to leave her family from the past. And, oh, here comes your family theme, man. Come back to her family of the present. Yeah, so it's all about family, which is the title of the episode, by the way. Real original. Uh, anyway, uh, as Ciri starts to decide to leave her past, uh, it feels like the effects team uh, from the MCU uh, came on and we get to see a, a repeat of Infinity War as she comes back to what is uh, the reality with Geralt after Yennefer basically has to sacrifice herself to draw uh, Volothmir kind of out of Ciri uh, by slashing her own wrists. It was pretty drastic. Anyway, Ciri... Uh, try sending Volithmir back to her world, and uh, she and Geralt and Yennefer all get pulled there together. Uh, Volith immediately dissipates from Yennefer, and it turns out she returns to, lo and behold, the Wild Hunt, uh, the, the group of horsemen that are coming to kill everybody, I guess. They're the Wild Hunt, but it seems like she's a member of that. She kind of assembles on one of the horses. And they all come charging towards Ciri, Geralt, and Yennefer, and they ask Ciri to join them, but she manages to zap the three of them back to Witcher Central, right? Uh, and it turns out that Yennefer not only survived, despite the fact that all of her blood should be gone, uh, but she got her magic back, too, and, and this uh, helps her to help some of the injured Witchers that are still alive, what few there are. And Geralt and Yennefer and Ciri then uh, make a pact to help each other. Um, but Geralt can't figure out how Nilfgaard knew about who Ciri was, this child of destiny, before anyone else did. Right, and we're going to get to more on that in a second. But don't forget the other parts, T, where Francesca goes to get revenge on Redinia and really essentially sparks off a war, killing many of the newborns uh, in Redinia. And all the while, Kahir is convincing Fringilla to tell the Amir, the White Flame, that it was part of her own plan. And Artuza uh, ends up placing a bounty on Ciri because they found out about who she is, I guess, through Triss. And the elves pledge to go to war against the humans, uh, not just... Uh, Redinia, but all humans who have betrayed them. Uh, but Eastred shows up and he tells them that Ciri is the prophesied savior for them, basically, or at least that's how Francesca recognizes it. All this while in Redinia, uh, Dijkstra uh, gets word about what's going on with the elves from Philippa, who is the owl, uh, and tells her to go get Jaskier, or go get the bard, who I'm assuming is Jaskier. And can we finally get to the reason that Nilfgaard knew that, that Geralt is wondering about? It's because the Emir, the White Flame, is Cirilla's father? I mean, my gosh, what a reveal, right? Did that make any sense to you? Well, it was certainly surprising, um, and it would explain how Nilfgaard knew about who Cirilla was long before anybody else did, right? If her dad is the one who's running Nilfgaard. Um, but he even reveals that he ordered the death of the elven baby. And then he ends up get, having Fringilla and Kahir arrested 
for betraying the the sole purpose, which was to find Cirilla. It seems that they uh, have neglected that duty with all of this side elf stuff. And so that's what happens. You end up getting uh, betrayed by your own people who try to say that they came up with the plan that you actually came up with. And so Frigilla and Kahir are in custody, I guess, at best at the end of the season. And uh, then at the end credits, we saw something else for uh, this Blood Origins Witcher show, uh, which features, uh, I think it's going to have Michelle Yeoh in it or whatever. So evidently they've started filming that as well. Yeah, that's kind of exciting. Maybe we'll see when Blood Origins, we'll see some other stuff besides just boring witchers. That's what I'm kind of hoping anyway. Oh, okay. Have we got any games to play? Like, what's worse? Or do you have a music segment or anything like that? Because we're already running pretty long. No, I actually don't have anything like that this time, T. So we can skip straight ahead to some feedback because we do have a lot of that that we need to cover. Oi, can we get the feedback out of the monitors, please? That has to be the most monstrous bumper I've ever heard. Don't ever play feedback like that again. That was absolutely awful. I'm glad you appreciated it. My horns are very sensitive to certain frequencies, and that one hit the spot. I feel like my whole head is reverberating now. I'm sorry about that, T. I I really am. But we have a lot of polls and feedback to get to, so let's just get started right away. Uh, We're covering stuff that's been submitted even for our Wheel of Time stuff, especially uh, we got a couple of submissions for the uh, book discussion that I did with TV Podcast Industries. Wait a minute. You did a Wheel of Time podcast, and you did it with the fabulous guys from TV Podcast Industries, who I love, and you didn't invite me? T, I'm sorry. At that time, you were going through a lot of stuff in terms of your career change and whatever, and I I just felt like you were probably going to be too busy to participate with this. Well, don't ever do that again. I mean, the next time you cover Wheel of Time, I better be included somehow. I'm just saying that uh, even as uh, a new artist who is going to create the most memorable nursery rhyme songs for children ever, I still feel like I needed to be part of that. I, I love the guys from TV Podcast Industries. Be sure to search for them, folks. Their website is tvpodcastindustries.com, and be sure to check them out. Uh, they're fabulous. I love Derek, and I love John, and I love Chris. Uh, they all look like they'd be good and eaten, if you ask me. You had to go there. Okay, well, I'm sure that they'll be really pleased to be on a Zoom with you sometime in the near future, T. At any rate, let's get to this feedback. Uh, First of all, uh, all of this feedback came from YouTube. And uh, this one is from Stan HDNG and a tease with me. And I think HDNG stands for something, but I'm not exactly sure what. But we're going to find out. Could you kindly review or react to the love of Hid and Jim? Ha, ha, ha. Uh, Everything's already online, and it's an easy wiki-style read. Hugs and kisses from the fan base. Okay. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. We've got lots of things uh, on the plate. 
you know, I'm not sure exactly what order that we're going to release everything in, but we're going to do a trailer review of the new Lord of the Rings series. It's going to be on Amazon and we've got this podcast that we're doing right now. Uh, and I had a couple of other things lined up already as well. So uh, it may be a bit before we get to it, but I'll at least check it out. Uh, Stan HD and G. Oh, I like this one. Uh, let, let's let's talk about this one. Uh, Priscilla TV. Uh, I know her YouTube. She does great recaps and stuff uh, and uh, discussions regarding all kinds of television shows. I think that she did was working on the Wheel of Time earlier this year, too. Maybe she'd have me on uh, since you won't have me on. T, I'm so sorry. Anyway, Priscilla TV uh, says this on YouTube on that same book reader video. Love the discussion and the guests. Great work, Matt. Uh, thank you for the shout out. Oh, it's almost like she uh, was forecasting that I was going to shout out what a great YouTube channel that she has. I think that was because I had actually plugged her YouTube channel before T, but uh, either way, you know, it works. Uh, I'm not saying that she doesn't have some magic about her. That's right. She is magical. She also wrote this. Uh, from in response to our first part one of the Witcher review, Matt, she says, hi, Matt. I feel it was a better season than the first season. I like the Witcher. It is a fun series with new monsters to kill and the whole found family aspect. I am actually a bit worried about the vitriol in the fandom. The series obviously has flaws and is a very free adaptation of the series. They clearly set out to do just what they are doing, which is a fun series to binge. However, the level of hatred it is getting from the fandom, the usual go woke, go broke bozos, I'm not going to get into that, and the fact that there was a drop in viewership from season one to season two, I am kind of worried for the future of the series, which is terrible for me because I am having a good time with the series. I do not want a cancellation. And I want to see Michelle Yo kicking butt. Uh, what's worse, uh, having a leshy with your friend's face, and also Stregobor is the worst racist, uh, and has been since season one, and he is still alive, which makes him the absolute worst. All right. Well, thanks, T, for reading that. And also, uh, good thoughts. Actually, I don't think you have to worry at least about season three of The Witcher showing up because Marie Claire reported a while back that The Witcher was actually renewed for a third season a couple of months before it ever came. Season two uh, came out. Uh, in fact, it, it was made an announcement in September that season three was going to come out. Yeah, and that was at the Tudum fan event last September. I went to that. It was fabulous. You went to that? Well, I was part of the virtual presentation. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It just felt like something to do, and I had some money to blow at the time. Uh, I wish I had that money back now, but anyway. Okay. Also, your what's worth choices. One of those polls went your way, and one went against you. T, do you want to read those poll results? Certainly. Who's worse? Racist Stregobor? A racist Nilfgaardian general. Racist Stregobor, 
Okay, so that one went Priscilla TV's way. But how about this one? What's worse, a hut with four basilisk legs or a leshy that has your best friend's face? Oh, Priscilla TV, I'm sorry. 66.7% of the votes voted for the hut hut, as they should, because the hut hut was by far more intriguing and terrifying. And they'll tell two friends, and they'll tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. Were you even born yet when that came out? 66.7% said, yes, I remember it well. Is Sonic the Hedgehog too dated of a reference? Matt, this has never happened before. What? what what's never happened before? It's a tie. It's a tie of 50% apiece between, yes, you codger, and not at all. I don't know how to react to this. A tie? We've never had a tie on this podcast before, have we? Actually, we have, and it's probably because our voting is limited. We want you to vote on these polls at BustBuckBuster on Twitter. That way, you'll be sure to have your voice included in these, and our numbers will be enough to where we can actually announce how many votes that we got. I'm moving on. Get an army together. Do the thing. You got to have a strategy. You got to win all three phases of the game. Signed T, the artist formerly known as Coach. Yes or no? I am pleased to announce that almost everybody is in agreement with me. 83.3% of the votes say yes. That's right. And that means that 16.7% of you are just wrong. That's okay, too. But uh, just remember, correct the mistake from here on out. Here's a poll question that I asked. Being from the blight, where there are all kinds of scary trees, uh, I think the leshy is a beautiful creature. Do you? 57.1% agreed with me. Again, I'm always the winner of these polls, as you can tell. 57.1%, said that I was crazy, which means that I'm going to eat you when I find you for voting that way. And those are the polls, man. That is super fantastic reading there, T. Really appreciate you taking the time to read those polls for us. We thank everybody who did vote on those polls. And we want to, again, invite you to at BustBlockbuster on Twitter, uh, where you'll find the polls for this particular episode as well, coming up just right after this podcast drops. So we'll do that. We want you to vote. And the next podcast that we have, we will read those results as we get them. In the meantime, uh, T, I believe you already said you don't have any social media at the moment. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about reconsidering, Matt, because now I have a new career. I need to kind of get it off the ground. I know that I, there's this swelling of people who really want to engage with me on Twitter or on Instagram or something. So I'll, I'll consider it, but for now, no, no real contact information. All right. And you can, of course, tweet to at bus blockbuster on Twitter and tell me, you know, that you think it's crazy that I have these conversations with myself and try to pass it off as having a conversation with another character. Oh, crazy. What are you talking about? I'm real. I mean, come anybody come and find me, pinch me. I'm real. Just, Come find me. And speaking of that, you know, I don't know if I want to be in part of these podcasts anymore anyway. You're really, really hard to work with, Matt. It's pretty impossible 
to try and keep up with wherever you're bouncing around to uh, those thoughts just kind of rattle inside your brain and only bits of them come out of your mouth once in a while. And I think somewhere in there, you're pretty smart, but it never shows on a podcast. Oh, really T well, you know, that's your choice. If you don't want to be part of this anymore, I can't blame you for that at all. Uh, but we will wish you well on your nursery rhyme career, no matter whether you decide to come back sometime in the future or not. I'll consider it. I'll consider it. Let's see how successful my first album is. And then if I'm too successful and not able to do it because I'm just too busy, uh, then I'll let you know. Sounds great. Send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com or you can find everything that I do, whether it's part of the double P or not, at mattsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. It's the same spelling as the Gmail address, and we want you to engage with us. We want you to subscribe to the audio podcast. We want you to subscribe to the Double P Media YouTube. That's youtube.com slash C slash Double P Media. That's the word double, the letter P, the word media. You can also find the same spelling, doublepmedia.com. That's where you can catch up with all of the podcasts that Double P is doing. And be sure to find them on Facebook and like that page because they give all kinds of updates there. Facebook.com slash doublephq. The word double, the letters PHQ. Same handle on Twitter, at the word double, the letters PHQ. And that way you know everything that's coming up for Double P Media in the near future. One of the things that I'm really excited about in March, we're going to have The Last Kingdom, and you'll get Bubba and Catfish and I talking about those. That'll be on the Double P podcast feed. And don't forget, House of the Dragon is coming back this year. Uh, the Joffrey of Podcast rides again with Bubba and Catfish. My own podcast, Before the Dragon, will also be covering that series so uh look for before the dragon if you wish but mainly want to focus on the double p podcasts that we put out together that's all i've got i'm out of breath i'm out of thoughts if i ever had any to begin with if you you know want to validate t's thoughts about that i'm not sure that i ever did but regardless of that we will see you next time on bust and blockbusters thanks for listening or watching or trolling bye <laughs>